Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Also, happy birthday, Jocelyn, because when people listen to this, it'll be your birthday. So I was going to say, it's not my birthday yet. I, I actually got a, a happy birthday message this morning from uh, someone on Twitter, and I had to be like, uh, thank you, but it's tomorrow. <laughs> yes, but now everybody who, who follows you and that other person knows that it's your birthday tomorrow. And they're also listening to this fair. and they know your birthday is today or actually they're all going to get it wrong because they're like, oh, say, yeah, depending on when you listen to this show, <laughs> I'm going to get birthday messages now and for the next like three months. <laughs> I know. But at least some you'll know you'll know the folks that are listening day one and, and they'll get it. So <laughs> happy <true>. birthday. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ryan. Very thoughtful of you. <laughs> yeah, Just here to confuse everybody. That's my yeah. job. <laughs> Well, you have another job that's true. And you haven't done it yet, even in our pre-show chat. So, I mean, I, I don't know, Ryan, I think oh. you're failing at your job Wait. here. Okay. No, no, no. I remember this. All right. It's in the notes and I remember. Okay. Jocelyn. Yeah. Have you played God of War 2018 yet? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Do you still want to buy the expensive cloth map edition of the sequel to God of War yes! 2018? yet i haven't yet i've been good yeah. i haven't played god of war so i have not dropped the hundreds of dollars on the collector's edition for the sequel i have not done that yet i've been very good <laughs> well I, I don't even know if pre-orders have gone live yet so you might want to get started because oh, uh <laughs> wow <laughs> i thought you were gonna like give me an excuse there or i guess you did give me an excuse for not having it yet that has nothing to do with my willpower Oh, for a second, I thought I was doing so well, having made it a week without buying this ridiculously expensive but well-marketed piece of crap. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm I'm I haven't seen pre-orders go live. But you've got I, well, here's what I would suggest. I, I don't know if you're like if you're trying to not buy it or if you want to buy it, but you want to play the first one to make sure you like it. So you're not just buying a three hundred dollar cloth map Um is yeah, I would I would look at playing God of War 2018, at least starting it and seeing how it is, and and then you'll feel better about like whether that when that pre-order button comes up. Yeah, I mean you can always cancel a pre-order, right? There's no harm in pre-ordering. Yeah, and exactly. There's no harm because I never buy something and forget to cancel it. That's never, never a thing that happens to me. <laughs> never happened. And you know what? We could always even you know once the pre-order goes live and you pre-order it, we can change this reminder at the top of the show to be. Jocelyn, do you, do you need to cancel your pre-order for God of War <laughs> Ragnarok because you haven't like played? So the so start so. of the show could just be like housekeeping with Joss. Have you remembered to cancel those subscriptions you signed up for a free month? <laughs> Have you remembered to cancel your God of War pre-order because you still haven't played the first one? Like the list could go on and on and on. Yeah, make sure you cancel. So this week we're reminding Jocelyn to cancel our Hulu. Uh, as well as uh, play God of War 2018. Next week, we'll talk about Netflix and we'll just kind of oh rotate. God. There's so many. There's yeah. so many. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you very much for all of the reminders. One thing I definitely will not be canceling is my Game Pass because there's a whole hell of a lot of value over there. And that's also that's where you played Hollow Knight this week, right? Yes. Uh, when I can't remember. Good I think. Segue. Yeah, that was that was solid. Um I think I remember when it was the Xbox showcase way back in early June. I don't know if you remember a month ago. So long ago. It feels like forever ago. But uh, about a month ago, we talked about the trailer that, that was released for Hollow Knight. 
uh, Silk Song, which is a long-awaited follow-up to Hollow Knight. And I had mentioned I had never played Hollow Knight, but I'm always on the show talking about how I love Metroid, uh, Vania's Metroid games, uh, Vania-type games, that sort of thing. And uh, in Discord, they're like, yeah, you should really play Hollow Knight. And I thought, okay, I'll add it to the list. I'll get to it before Silk Song comes out. Um, started playing on Friday. Uh, I could not stop at all. Like, I, I mean, I obviously did stop for important life things and to record podcasts. <laughs> Uh, but I but I literally played any chance I could find um, where I had free time and I finished it. I, I ended up be- beating it in five days, which is a pretty big thing for me. I know I was going to say to be completely and utterly honest, like, I don't know if you guys understand how much of a like ringing endorsement that is from Ryan. Like he's a busy guy and I don't remember the last time you played a game like this where you came on the show and you were like, I couldn't put it down and I finished it between recordings. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've played a lot of games you've enjoyed, but it's been a long time since you've said like every waking minute I can find I'm sinking into Hollow Knight. <laughs> yeah. And it, to the point where, you know, we we get the kids down, they'd, you know, I'd be downstairs by like 730 so every time Ashley would come down from from getting Izzy down uh, to sleep, she'd just come into the living room and just see me playing this like really uh, just well, see me playing Hollow Knight, which is basically at a glance looks like a more of a, a cartoon take. Uh, I, I can't think of any sort of like examples of it, but it's a it's a very cartoony take on like a Metroid style game. It uses a lot of you know, black and white color uh, shading and and some strategic coloring in there too, like reds and, and blues and such to give it some accent. And uh, yeah, so every time she came in, she'd be seeing me play this game. And I, and I think like just popping up and seeing it, it just looks like me controlling a, a character and just jumping very erratically from platform <laughs> to platform. Uh, and then sometimes like mashing the X button uh, frantically to try to try to take out enemies. Um and but really, like, you know, that that doesn't really do the game justice, because I think at the beginning of the game, it is very much that. And I think that's where I struggled initially when I first played this years ago, is that the intro to the game is very it's very slow in a typical Metroidvania fashion where you you don't have any powers. You're kind of just figuring out the world. You're you're sorting out your powers. You're getting upgrades. But I felt it was a kind of a slow start. And I think that's where I bounced off it the first time. And also the jumping felt a little floaty to me. It wasn't particularly my favorite style. Wasn't of... crisp. Yeah. Yeah. It just um, it felt like overly floaty. And, you know, you, it was one of those games where and I'm not a big fan um, where you have to hold down the A button to jump higher. Right. So you can tap it and just do a little hop or you can hold it to jump high. And it's mm. and, it takes a long time while you're playing to figure out like what that range is so that when you're platforming, um, there's a difference between, you know, making that jump or plummeting to your death, to your death. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is never fun in a video game, especially when um, this is a, a checkpointed game where when you die, you return to mm. uh I guess it's a bench, like a little park bench that you sit on, which is okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I've seen that imagery before. I've I haven't played Hollow Knight. Um, I have a friend of mine who who has, but uh, I've like watched him play through like Discord sometimes, but I haven't actually played it myself. But I remember the bench. <laughs> yes, yeah. The bench is key, and 
you when you do die you lose so you collect your they call it geo which is basically the coins of the worlds what you use as a currency and when you do die it drops all your your coins um you know you gain coins by killing enemies uh finding chests and and just you, there's some mining in there too where you find these rocks and you can you can mash them and and they'll release a bunch of can you put stuff in like a bank or something or because like i'm thinking like um Zelda in Majora's Mask, you could go to the guy in the town in the alleyway off to the side and like put stuff in the bank so that you didn't lose it when you reset time or like same thing with um yeah, just like I'm the, can you buy items maybe and then you keep your items? Like is there any way to prevent total currency loss? <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple of uh, interesting methods in the game that they implement and it and this goes to part of the discovery of the game. There's a lot to discover. Uh, to the point where I did feel lost on occasion, and we can come back to that. But to your point, when it comes to you know spending your geo, uh, right off the bat, um, there's like a mapping system, which I thought was really cool. Where in each area you're finding, you know, this guy who's who's who started a map of the area, and uh, there's a shop at the first uh, town that you can buy pins for the map, and it progresses as you go like okay i can buy pins that show the benches i've discovered show um the hot springs that i've discovered which helps you uh, rejuvenate your your soul power okay um but you can also buy items so there are uh charms that you can get uh that you can equip that give you different powers uh early on those charms are like um you know uh, a really handy one that you get right off the bat that i highly recommend you buy right away is the wayward charm which i think just places uh you on the map it's like the you are here pin which uh, super handy because it is so easy to get lost in this game and i had it equipped the whole time unless i was legit walking from a bench to a boss <laughs> and i knew the direct <laughs> method to get there and when i finished the boss i could get back to the bench and re-equipped it so i would know where i am uh because i directions are not my forte so uh it helps to know where you are. And there's some other shops too, as you discover uh, across the way where you can buy more expensive charms. You can buy um, charm notches, which allow you to add. So the way the charms work is that you start off, you have like maybe four slots um, and each charm takes up a certain amount of slots depending on how powerful they are. So you can install more notches uh, to equip more charms, which is super handy late game when you're needing to switch up your charms depending on the boss you're fighting or, or how terrible you are at the combat in which you need to add maybe additional health slots uh, through your charms. So that can come in handy. But there is also a bank, and that's all I'll say. Because, I, I mean, it's a five-year-old game. I suppose we could spoil it, but you know, I will. It's a fun story. So... <laughs> It's a really, it's a really interesting story for you guys. Ah, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's over five because it came out in February 2017, right? So it's it's almost five and a half years old now. So I think you're okay to spoil it. Yeah. So this is one of those uh, stories that will, you know, sort of for those who have played it, will be like, yes, that is the charm of of Hollow Knight. It's got a lot of, you know, creative. Uh, little ideas in there so there is a bank i discovered it very early on and i'm wondering like why would i want to deposit my geo i have so much stuff i can spend it on um you can lose your geo and you can lose a lot of it if you're not careful but for the most part i was spending it as as quickly as i got it because i was trying to buy more pins and more charms and, and upgrades and such 
Um, but yes, there is a bank and you can deposit it. And the funny thing is, is um, I deposited maybe like, and I had a notes file. So I had a note. So I was like writing my notes. Okay. I've, uh, I've, inst- I've got 3000 geo in the bank. So if I need it, I need to remember that there's 3000 geo in there. I can go get it. So I had like notes of like, um, okay, the blue pins, cause you can add custom pins to the map. The blue okay. pins are like areas I haven't been to red is like a boss I haven't finished. And, and so one of those pins was the bank. And then I went back cause I was like, okay, I need to put more geo in the bank and I go back and the banker isn't there. <laughs> and then I like accidentally hit the X button, which is the attack button. And I, I hit the stand that the banker was behind. Turns out it was a, piece of cardboard that like just falls over (laughs) so they stole all my geo and i'm like what the heck and uh this goes back to the idea of like i got lost a lot and i wasn't i wasn't afraid to use like just look it up like the game has been covered by a lot of folks and just googling hollow knight banker brings up exactly like oh yeah you need to go do this to follow up on that storyline so you go to a hot spring in the city and then you find the banker and she's just chilling in this hot spring. And she's like, oh, you know, bank fees are super expensive. So like, I don't have your money. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, man, well, I've got lots of geo. This is near the end of the game. And I've, I've already collected like another 5,000. And I'm like, I have no idea what to spend it on. <laughs> I don't need you anyway. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I again, I accidentally hit the X button, uh, the attack button. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that hit the hit the person and she like goes into her shell and she kind of flies off the side of the map and geo starts coming out. And I'm like, Oh, so then I guess you can just hit the, the banker who stole all your money and until all the money falls. Cause she says, Oh, I don't have your money. And I was like, Oh, okay. So you just beat her up until she gives it back to you. (laughs) Yeah. It's all there. I mean, she's lying, right? She stole your money and she, she tried to get away with it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those moments where I thought like, okay, that's, that's a fun take. Cause like I thought legit, it was like, cause they sold it pretty hard. It was like, oh, well, yeah, you took her at, at her word. You're Canadian. You were just like, oh, well, yeah, that checks out. I guess I'm just out that money then. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, at the beginning when better she suggested be light about this, <laughs> yeah, better just walk away. I've just lost like my entire life savings. Uh, <sighs> but no, then I accidentally tripped over the X button and, and here we are. But, and I was fine. I got it all back. Um, and, but no, like at the beginning, it makes sense. It's like, oh, I lose all my coins. If I die, she is a banker and she says, oh, I'll, I'll hold on to your, your geo. And they actually like, and I think looking back, this was, uh, just a way for the developers not to be like, don't let it let, don't let the player give too much geo for the storyline to play through because there's a limit of, I think about 4,500. And I think after maybe 2000, 3000, uh, she will disappear. Uh, and and go to her her hiding place, but uh, I thought that was it was an interesting way to play with uh, that concept because you think it's a service, you think it's like oh it's part of yeah, the this loop. Is, this is how the game works, yeah, yeah. So that was that was a that was a fun interaction. And like I said, I I had no problem like looking up stuff whenever I got stuck. I got stuck a couple times, um, you know, specifically with the mapping system because again, like it's a big world. It's about a 20 hour experience. At least that's when I finished it. And there's a lot to do. There's a lot of areas to visit and it's can be kind of tough to determine like, okay, where do I need to go next? What power do I need? Like maybe a quarter of the way through the game, they set up like you need to visit these three specific areas to unlock the final boss. And those areas are just like 
a pin placed on the map, nothing, and, and at the time, blank, like a pin placed with no details, just there. And it's like, well, I haven't been there clearly because there's nothing there yet. And you just kind of explore and, you know, you, unlike Metroid, where they kind of color code the doors in a way on the map where you can tell, okay, like I can't get into any green doors, but at least on the map, I can see those green doors. When I get the super missile, I can go back and unlock it in hollow Knight, You kind of, that's where the custom pins come in that you can buy from the map shop because you have to really catalog the map as you go to be like, okay, there's a boss in here. I haven't been able to finish. There is a barrier here that I can't get through. And I was discovering them all through the game, even from the beginning. And I didn't get the power to get through it until like hour 15. So I'm constantly hitting these roadblocks and I wasn't marking the map. And then finally I decided like halfway through, I was like, I better start marking the map. And I had to go back and like look through other areas to, to figure out where I was going wrong. And so there's a couple times where I, I kind of lost my way and, and wasn't sure where to go. Um, but if you play it smart from the beginning, I think you can kind of start cataloging you know, where, where you hit some barriers and, and need to sort of, uh, circle back later on. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a really fun game. It really, it really captured my attention for the last, uh, five days to the point where I, I, like I said, I, I couldn't stop playing and, um, the combat, you know, certain boss encounters were, were tough. Uh, I, I have not done the most difficult encounter, which I think is the third tier of like the Coliseum, which is like a wave-based sort of arena. Um, I finished the game without visiting like an entire area and not getting like a certain item. So there's like a lot of optional stuff in the game as well that mm -hmm. you can kind of move right past if you just want to get to the end. But But really like part of the fun of a Metroidvania is getting all the power-ups and suddenly just traversing through the map and places that were giving you a you know a hard time or suddenly just you're just working your way through with a with just at a steady clip and it, and it works really well so i did feel that near the end of the game where i'm like okay i'm much more powerful now i have all these traversal abilities and i can get around really quick which is nice because it is a bit of a more slower experience at the beginning like you're kind of finding your like if you and there's a lot of backtracking which can be not so fun at, at times. Um, there is like a fast travel system, but it's kind of, it's, it's not as, it's not as quick as we're used to where it's like, Oh, I need to hit a button and teleport. You know, mm. uh, you have to go to a specific area to like either catch a tram or catch like a, like a, I don't know what you, it's all bug based. Every, everything's, everyone's like a bug, I guess. Okay. So <laughs> I, I thought for a second you meant like everything's bug based as in like there's lots of bugs in the game. No, no, there's <laughs> flawless like, experience. But no. people love this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's they're all I should have there it's all bugs and I'm just trying I'm like everything's some t type of bug and and you ride this you just get on this bug's back and he takes you places and uh. <laughs> and uh, he's super friendly, super nice uh and he and he takes you to a bunch of different, there is like a warping ability I got very late in the game but again it was like more you know, set a waypoint and you can warp back to it. Mm. Um, but there's no like, I need to go to a shop right now. No, you have to like backtrack to navigate back to it. Yeah, you have to navigate to a tram or, or to a fast travel point and then you can kind of go to other fast travel points, but they are, they're not in every area. So sometimes it's like, okay, I got to catch 
you know, the tram from this area to the next area, then work my way down to like the. Yeah, uh, Nobody Saves the World was very similar to that, too, where it's like every section of the map did have a fast travel point, but like it might be on the edge or in the middle or something like it, you always usually had to like traverse the zone in some way before you'd actually get to the thing that you needed. Like they were nice to have, but not ultra convenient, you know, like you couldn't just warp anywhere. Yeah, it's nice that they're there. I mean, I'm not necessarily complaining too much about it. Like, I think that um, I th- I understand why they are few and far between because they want to encourage you to, you know, do more of the combat, collect more geo, have the ability to unlock uh, more things. And and there, you know, there's uh, there are a lot of you know shops that are very expensive, like where you can upgrade your uh, weapon strength, like early on it's like okay it's under a thousand geo and 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 you're good uh but then it's like oh you need two of these rare metals and like two thousand or f- i think the final upgrade is four thousand geo which is like it, it's that's a good chunk of change that's a big chunk yeah yeah so you know there's you know late game there's a lot of stuff that you can spend that money on and you get it by you can kill the same so every time you you rest at a bench it resets all the enemies in the area kill all the enemies again mm-hmm. and you know collect more geo from those same folks so you know it, it makes sense on you know in that idea but uh there were at times where it's like man i just need to get to this one point so i can go buy this thing and i think it did pad it out in terms of the time i spent in the game but i don't think it was I, I was never not having fun i think i was just sometimes a little more impatient and i think that goes back to like playing any chance like i got 15 minutes so in this 15 minutes i'm just gonna get to the next area that i haven't been to yet oh but i gotta go buy something so i gotta go do that first and it it did you know kind of sort of extend the amount of you know traversal i had to do but you know, it is it's it is a lot of fun. There's a reason people really love this game, and I I can totally understand where it kind of joins Super Metroid in that I need to play this every other year type experience because mm. it this one especially really felt like if you were to return to it after a couple of years, you'd be familiar with what's going on, but there would be you could kind of approach it differently. Like you could you know go to a completely different area first or you know, your knowledge of a specific a specific access point and how to get to that point could probably have you, you know, completing the game in a completely different order, mm-hmm. making it very different. And um, maybe you had a specific power up that you really loved. So you could go get that one first or at least like do a do a beeline for it. So I can totally understand like replaying this game over and over again. Um, I think when I beat it, it's like, hey, now you can play it so that if you die, it deletes your save. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> i died enough that is pretty hardcore i yeah. think actually that's literally what hardcore is <laughs> yes it, it, this game i think they they've obviously done a lot of updates to it and i think that's where you feel like there is like a lot of optional content that you can do um but it's all it's all great it's all fun and uh i don't know if i'm gonna 100 percent it i think i just got the sort of i i beat a boss where he's like it the reward was here's a map of all the there's a collectible in the map where you're like saving these little grubs and i think i got that map where it's like okay here's all the rest of the grubs that you haven't found so like that gives me another you know excuse to go and okay now i can go and explore every area of the map and know exactly where i'm going i love when games do that it's like you've got 90 percent into this thing 
we'll just tell you where all these guys are so you can just go save the rest of them. And from a lore perspective, it makes sense that that the map is in the game. So because I guess the guy's name is the collector. So it makes sense Mm. that he would have a map of of all the of all the grubs that he's captured. So, yeah, I'll I'll probably go back in and do that. I think I've I think I've finished all the bosses except for the uh, like I said, the hardest wave uh, of the Coliseum. I don't know if I want to put myself and my controller through that. Uh, It is the second wave or the second area was very tough. So <laughs> and I'm not that great at the combat. Like, I, I feel like sometimes I just get really, <laughs> really lucky uh, with some dodges. So um, but yeah, I've, I I'm so glad that I, I went and played this game. I'm I am now uh, alongside a lot of other folks out there who are looking forward to the follow up. Uh, I just only have to wait a year, whereas everybody else had to wait five years. So that's <laughs> right. <unfortunate. laughs> So I think you you played it smart. You're that's the way to do it is just super sleep on a game forever <laughs> until the sequel's announced. Like me with God of War, <laughs> it's the perfect strategy. <laughs> I, uh, I was just about to make that joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of sequels, uh, this is not necessarily a direct sequel, but it is a spiritual sequel to Until Dawn, which you guys know I heart so hard. Um, so I played the quarry this week and I have now remembered how to say it because it rhymes with sorry. So the quarry, <laughs> that's literally, I said that I'm like, sorry, I have to go play the quarry. Oh my God, they rhyme. That's so good. <laughs> so that's my little mnemonic to remember it now. Cause I, it, oh my God, Ryan, this game, I don't know why, <laughs> but I just could not pronounce the title correctly forever. So uh, I think I've got it down now. And and now that I've pointed it out and said that, I'm totally going to screw it up. But anyways, um, it is the spiritual successor to Until Dawn. It's not um, directly related, like it doesn't share characters or anything like that. But um, it is, it's an interesting experience. It's definitely in the same vein as Until Dawn and the Dark Pictures Anthologies games that we've played. Um, It is very much that kind of like explore have some quick time events like horror story retelling type thing um but i will say like so the the cut scenes look amazing like they're so good but when you get into the game itself it's a little bit janky it's like the movement is pretty stiff. Your character moves really slow. And I haven't actually gotten to the point. So I've I've played the prologue and I've played chapters one and two. And I guess there's 10 chapters in the main story and then a prologue and an epilogue. So 12 altogether. So I'm I'm literally a quarter of the way through the game. I'm not far at all. Um, so I haven't gotten to the point yet where I have to like try to run away from something and I'm a little bit worried because of how clunky the movement is <laughs> that I'm like, I don't know if that's going to be an enjoyable experience. But um, so far, like the collectibles are pretty obvious, which isn't the greatest. Although, again, I might have like since I'm so, like so close to the beginning of the game, it's possible I've already missed stuff and I don't really know because like there's so many things in the list that are question marks. So like. I might have already gone past things. Um, but they're like, when you get close to a collectible or like a hint or whatever, there's this like beam of light that comes up from the ground. And then like the X prompt comes up 
And I'm like, I think I need to go into settings maybe and and see if I can turn it off because I'm like, I don't even um like I'm not looking for anything other than the beam of light, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that so there's like a a hint system that like is it jarring when you walk into a room is like you gotta go well it's not even no 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 it's not even necessarily like a hint system it's just like when you walk close to something it like starts at the ground and it'll pop up and then when you get close enough to interact with it then the x pops up and so like the whole entire like animation only goes about as high as your character's waist like it's not really in your face but it's like I found I started to walk into rooms and instead of like looking for stuff on a shelf or a desk or or a wall or something, I'm looking for this prompt to rise from the floor. So it kind of has taken me out of it a little bit. Hmm. I mean, it it sounds like it's uh, like a feature, like more of an accessibility feature in in that like you miss a lot of stuff in these adventure games as you're like, oh, you know, it, uh, they used to call it like a uh, pixel hunting. Okay. Which area yeah. do I really need to get close to, to be able to interact and find a clue or something? And right. So it's like, you're not even necessarily having to walk as close as you would have before in, in another earlier iteration. Well, even in like until dawn and stuff, um, like you, you have to get like three or four steps away and then you'll kind of see this light. And I'm like, Oh man, like it just, I don't even half the time I don't even know what it, what I'm going to interact with when I go and click on the light. And then, and then it's like, oh, you find something on a shelf or, oh, you opened the door. And I'm like, man, OK, I guess I opened the door like I didn't even really know what this was for. <laughs> like, it's so dark in that corner. I didn't even know there was a door there. Like, I don't know. It's that's been my first like gut reaction to it is that like it seems like the secrets are way too obvious mm. and I, and i'm not sure i haven't dove too far into the um into like the settings and the accessibility other than to like turn off the quick time event or not turn off quick time events because this that's all this game is is exploration and quick time events but um to to make it so you don't have to button mash. I turn that off. I hate that. I hate that oh, yeah. so much. So it's it's a push and hold instead <laughs> of button mashing. Like I hate it. It will ruin a game for me. <laughs> I just I I I'm remembering was Little Hope the last one we played? Is that am I right? No, we played uh, the the army one came after Little Hope. Oh yeah, I, I whatever that one was called. That one. Uh, was it House of Ashes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the button mashing. I remember. Maybe it was little hope that I'm remembering where we were because we turned it off for House of Ashes. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Um. But like little hope was the one where I think my controller, the battery was dead, so I had it plugged in. But like I'd be but so to button mash, I would like do the Nintendo finger thing where you put it on your your uh, on your thigh and you just mash the button with your finger. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it was it was dislodging the cord because it was up against the. <laughs> the desk or something and i keep disconnecting the controller and i i'm pretty sure i killed you or me someone died someone died someone died as a as a result of controller failure i do remember that yeah a couple of controllers did not make it out of that play session (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh yeah you can turn that off that's perfect because the button mashing is like it's not even it's not even fun to fail that because like no so yes the developers like they set this window for you to mash this button and if like I wasn't able to magically mash it as fast as you think I should have to save this person or do a thing that I fail, it's like that's lame. Like I, I know where the X button it's is. Like I was doing the thing. Yeah. I you know, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I completely agree. So like the thing that I've noticed, 
and I feel like it's more so in this game than some of the others that I mentioned, the Dark Pictures Anthologies games, as well as uh, Until Dawn. I feel like I'm sitting around and watching a movie a lot more mm. like there. And when I actually do go out and explore, like when they do kind of take the the rails off and I'm allowed to walk around an area I feel like I'm, there's not many collectibles to find because that's kind of the whole point, right? Is you want to try to find clues. You want to try to solve the mystery. You want to try to to find the hints that are going to help you live later on. Um, and so far, I've only found one through three chapters of play. And I'm like, I don't really know. Like, And, and actually, when I found it, so basically, um, so they've all had something, right? So Until Dawn had like the the photo and actually Dark Pictures, I think, did this too, where you had the like the photos on the wall and the frames that you could interact with and it would give you like a premonition. Yeah, the premonition system. Yeah. So this has that same system, but it's like uh, tarot cards. And the one time I found a tarot card, I didn't even realize what it was doing because it did the same sort of thing as when I have a choice to make or something, which is like it gives you this like screen with just an X button prompt at the bottom. Because one of the big systems in the quarry is that you have the opportunity and until Dawn did this as well, kind of where you would have a choice to act or not act. Um, the, The quarry does the same thing where it'll present you with a situation you only have, well, I guess I was going to say you only have one choice, but you basically have like the choice to act or not act. So you can just not push any buttons and see what happens, or you can push a button and do the thing that's on the screen. So I walked into this room and all of a sudden the camera angle changed because it has that fixed camera like Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil 2 or I think it's the one that you said that did this, where it's like when you walk in a room, like you have one camera angle and you cannot change it. Right. Yeah. Like the, the fixed camera angles of the, the fixed camera, the force perspective. Yeah. That thing. Um, so this game does that. And so I walked into a room and then all of a sudden the camera angle like switched and then it said temperance and there was like the X button. And I was like, okay, first of all, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you the definition of temperance. So I'm like, I'm just going to not push the X button. Cause I thought it was this interrupt moment and then it goes away after a couple seconds and nothing happened. So I was like, oh, OK, um, I guess I succeeded <laughs> in that story beat. And then so I just kept walking and exploring. And then as I was going to walk out and leave the room, it did that same forced angle again and said temperance again with the X button. And I was like, what? OK, I'll push it this time. And then it was like popped up and it like gave me an achievement for like my first tarot card found. And I was like, oh, that's what it looks like. Okay. So now again, I'm not looking for like tarot cards randomly like shoved down like into pictures or like hidden on mantles or on desks or shelves or whatever. Like I'm just walking around waiting for light beams to come up from the floor or camera angles to change all weird and give me a prompt. Like it doesn't feel like I'm solving anything as much as I'm trying to pay attention to game mechanics. And it's really like it pulls me out of the immersion. Weird. That seems like such a step backwards for this developer, which they've really... uh, you know, with the with the dark pictures anthology and 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 until dawn as well. Like I I felt like they really nailed um, 
that storytelling uh, with a high quality, uh, you know, product. And and I think it got better and better with every release with, uh, of the Dark Pictures anthology, ex- except for House of Ashes. I think we did have some issues there. Mm-hmm. But this seems like even more of a step back in terms of the structure of I, th- I think you're right. Like part of finding those premonitions in all of previous games were they were collectibles. They were hidden. They were off the trail. You you had to go and seek them out. Mm-hmm. And you weren't really sure. That was the other piece is you weren't really sure when it was going to come into play. And you were pretty sure that the premonition wasn't going to come into play right away. But there were some of them that like you'd get the premonition and then like it would come into play in the next action scene. And then there were others that you'd get the premonition right at the beginning and it wouldn't play out until the final scene. Like it was really hard to tell what was going to happen when, which kind of like, again, helped with the mystery, helped with the storytelling, made it so like you weren't like, okay, this is the thing I need to watch out for in the next 10 minutes. And this doesn't necessarily have that because part of the storytelling and it's it's very uh it is very dark picturesy because you know how in dark pictures it has the the curator right mm-hmm. um and it's been a long time since i've played until dawn so i can't remember if there was like an interlude character between chapters or not um but in this game there's this uh old like witch woman that basically like reads your future by reading your tarot cards. So when you find a tarot card, then you get a premonition, but it's not until the break between chapters. So it's like when you find a new tarot card, you know for sure that's not going to help you in the chapter that you're in. Like, because you you don't get to see the premonition until you go to the old woman to have your cards read. So like, I don't know, it's just, it's it's very odd. And maybe it's because I'm so early on and I've only found the one card. So I only have the one premonition, but I'm just like, man, I feel like, and, and the other thing is the one premonition that I do have has now it, it like, it shows, um, like a, a, a before and after almost like it showed me where to get the thing. And then it showed me where to use the thing. And I don't want to give any more information than that because I don't want to, you know, like people who do want to try to explore and and learn the story and everything else. Like, I don't want to spoil anything because this is still a really new game. But it's basically like, look here with this character, you'll find this. And it shows you like finding the thing and looking at the thing. And then it cuts to like later where that character's like laying on the ground and you do a thing with the thing you found. And then it's like, and you succeed. And it's just like, man, there's just no like mystery there at all. (laughs) So yeah, I was just like, I don't know. Like it felt like the, the previous iterations of this style of game that we've played were much more mysterious. They were clues, not solutions. And this one so far, again, I only have the one, but this one felt more like it was just like, here's how to not die. (laughs) It's very clear. There's no guesswork. And I was like, oh, lame. (laughs) So yeah. And I mean, like, so, but story-wise, because like I say, it does, it does seem to be leaning on it. Like it's much more like watching a movie than playing a game, honestly. Um, there's like moments that pop up that are very until Donnie where not necessarily like the so-and-so will remember that, but it's like, um, 
almost like more character traits. So like there's a competition and one of the guys loses and then it's like that guy doesn't like losing or like uh, one guy is trying to really play by the rules and it's like the group is tiring of this person. Uh, his name is Ryan, <laughs> incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and they call him Rye Guy. And I'm like, oh my God, he's so going to die. I'm going to kill him by accident and then it's going to be bad. <laughs> Report back next week once. Yeah, I'll tell you if you're dead or not. <laughs> That's good. I, that would, let me know if I, uh, if my future uh tarot card or whatever yeah what your future premonition is <laughs> reveals that i'll be i'll be killed by uh i'm looking at the i'm looking at the the cash sheet here um uh you know what uh ted Raimi, let's let's make sure is he a bad guy in this game um or? it's it's kind of unclear so he's in the prologue he is okay. he's definitely a local uh and it's um yeah it's kind of unclear it He's definitely sketchy, creepy, and anxiety-inducing, which right. I feel like is every character he plays. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing. Like, there's a there's a a big cast here. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. Ted Raimi. You've got uh, you've got the dude from Scream. Uh, I can't remember his name. I I, I alluded that uh, David I Arquette. Yeah, David Arquette. <laughs> I was not actually looking at the cast. I'm looking at the box art. <laughs> uh, there's Ariel Winter too, who I could not place for the life of me, but it was like it was bothering me so much. She was, um, oh my god, now it was her. she played Alex in uh, Modern Family. So she played oh. she played like the middle daughter, uh, and yeah. So I like because I could I could like her voice was driving me nuts. And obviously the characters like the um, animated video game characters are pretty close, but you know, they have that bit of uncanny valiness to them. So you're just like, Oh man, like I know that face and I know that voice, but like who the heck is this? Yeah. So she plays, uh, she plays Alex in uh, modern family, but she's also, yeah, a character, one of the, one of the camp counselors, one of the teenagers in in the quarry and it also has uh so the the old woman the tarot card reader that i was talking about is uh grace zabriski i guess uh she was if you guys ever watched big love which i just finished watching it's the the one about the mormon family in uh in utah Mm -hmm. it's a drama anyways hbo show i think from like 2010 ish uh anyway she plays she plays the main character's mom in big love and like when you see her, I feel like you'll know her. <laughs> she's yeah. a, she's like she almost always plays the same kind of character, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, she's got a little bit of creep to her, <laughs> no doubt. And you've got uh, Skylar Gazondo from, um, uh, oh my gosh, now I'm not remembering this show. Uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I'm terrible. Oh, The Righteous Gemstones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I knew him from. As soon as it like, because he's so he's in the prologue, and. Uh, his character annoyed the hell out of me because I don't know who did his animation or if my game was bugged or something, but like his chin was attached to his chest. Like he, he walked around like this and he was like talking like his, his chin. I know you can't see me, but I'm hoping that my voice kind of, yeah, you can hear it, right? (laughs) It's like your chin is down in your chest and he's got this like, like I say, it looked so out of place because it's the same when he's driving the car, when he's trying to like do stuff outside the car and walking around the woods and everything else. It doesn't matter what he's doing. His head is cocked at this really weird angle. And I'm like, my game has to be bugged because there's no way this is what his animation is meant to be. 
It was so distracting. And I'm like, I know who this actor is. And I feel so bad because all I can think is, oh, my God, what's wrong with your neck? <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe it's part of his character. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's part of the game. And I just don't have the full story yet. But um, and I will also say, like, I, I so I don't know what the story is yet. And you guys know. I am I am a big like mystery fan. Try to figure it out. Like I am constantly trying to find the thread and figure out what the story is way far ahead of time. And so far, it does seem like there's either like multiple bad guy things to figure out or uh, like a red herring like in Until Dawn, because like you've got some very supernatural spooky kind of stuff going on. And then you also have some like crazy, like crazy killer man stuff going on too. Right. Which was very much like until dawn too. Um, they, they had, you know, kind of a real human threat at the same time as a supernatural threat. And it feels like the quarry is going down the same route, which is Okay. Um, but they've introduced both of them right at the beginning. And I'm just like, huh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not even trying to, to hide anything, are you? All right. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think um, I think it's interesting. I don't mind any of the characters so far. I think they did a really good job. Like there's no one who's super getting on my nerves, which is especially with like kid and teenage characters. Sometimes they have terrible, terrible writing. The writing in this is is okay. And obviously you can control a lot of the story too and a lot of the reactions. Um, but yeah, the one thing that I'm really interested to do because Until Dawn obviously was a single player game. We've played the co-op of the Dark Pictures anthology where like we were each controlling different characters. This game has the option of playing with a friend online or doing couch co-op. And I'm I'm really curious to know how this game plays not single player like i i really want you to like <laughs> i want you to get it so we can play together on playstation because i want to know what like how this turns into a multiplayer game in any sort of way because like i said it's like watching a movie more so than any other title in this kind of genre that i've played before to the point that sometimes i'm sitting there for 10 minutes with nothing to do and i'm like if i'm sitting here for 10 minutes with nothing to do and then you throw a second player into that. Does that mean I'm going to sit here for 20 minutes with nothing to do and just like watch their one decision point? Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm I am very curious to know how this how they expect this to be a two player game. But yeah. I do think it has a lot of replayability because there have been a lot of points so far in the first three chapters or in the prologue in the first two chapters that have popped up and said like path chosen or like path started sort of deal. I think I've hit like five or six already um, where like you do a thing earlier in the game that's obviously going to come back later on. Like you've set those characters down a certain path by making a choice. So like uh, in one case, it was like um, what part you take out of the car in another case, it was like uh, whether or not you broke down a door, um, whether you chose to explore a certain hidden location or not. Um, and and all of those times, like all of those things started a path in the game. So I'm like, even just from that, from those like five or six choices that I made in the first couple of chapters, 
like that's going to set my game down a different path, right? Like there's a lot of different iterations and combinations of things that I could possibly have chosen there that I think is going to be interesting to see how it does like play out and interact later on. So I do intend to to play this and finish this before next week. So I'm having a good time. There's a lot of jump scares, but so far they haven't jump scared me yet. Oh, that's good. I'm yeah, glad. and I'm not 100% sure because I did this with um, with House of Ashes as well, is I'm playing sitting in my kitchen, not in the, like I'm not playing it with headphones on my computer and I'm not playing it with the surround sound in the, like the good TV in the basement. I'm just playing it on like TV speakers out the back bouncing off the walls. So I think because sound has such a huge role to play when it comes to jump scaring people, and I think like I'm just that far enough removed and I can't quite hear it well enough. So it's not scaring me. <laughs> that's good. Which is kind of good because it means I can actually make it through the game because that's always a struggle with me, right? Like when I'm playing by myself and I don't have anyone in my headphones or whatever, when it's just me in a scary game, I will just stop moving. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have that like, little bit of separation from from the horror and and it lets me actually like kind of enjoy the story a little bit more and get through it a little faster so yeah because this is the other thing too is that this is a full game this is not like house of ashes or little hope uh in the dark pictures and all the entries where they're about five to six hours this is a, a complete title yeah and i mean those are complete titles as well but uh but yeah this is this is closer to until dawn so i can't remember exactly how long until dawn took me to play but i feel like it was probably somewhere in the 13 to 15 hour kind of range because i feel like i did it over four or five different play sessions uh and this one is shorter than that so this one um it says to get through the main story is about nine hours and then if you want to kind of like see all the options you're looking at about 15 hours so i did like one start to finish playthrough of until dawn in about that same time so it's a little bit shorter but um i don't but it is longer than all the dark pictures um options so i think it's probably going to be a good length and and like i said the the characters seem at least you have you have audio options to make the characters very uh, likable <laughs> and at least like or or tolerable. Like there's some characters that very much feel like the heel, you know, but they're not awful about it. <laughs> so that's okay. that's good. And and the performances are really good so far. So um, I'm definitely going to be uh, to be finishing this off, like I said, before next week. And, uh, and I'll let you guys know what my my final opinion of the story is once I see it. And if you do want to pick it up, Ryan, and you don't have to do it in the next week, but if at some point you see it on sale or something, you want to pick it up, then I would very much like to experience or like see what this game is like from a, from a co-op standpoint. Yeah. Well, I was, it's funny. Cause I had texted you. Uh, I mean, by the time this airs, uh, it'll be, it won't be on sale anymore, but it was part of the prime day sale. I think it's um, it was like 20 bucks off, but it's important to note like this being a, you know, um, like, I yeah, like not a complete, not a complete title in the sense that like, the as you said, the other ones weren't, but this is a, a full game that they're sort of pitching. Oh, yeah, it is that, a full $90 on the PlayStation 5. It is a full $90 title um, yeah. on Steam. I think it's 80 because PlayStation added that extra. Well, that's actually on Xbox. So this is the funny thing, and this is where this generation is getting interesting. Where, uh, and and by interesting, I mean like kind of crummy. In that, 
you know, Xbox has really positioned themselves as like you buy the Xbox title and that's the cost. But if you go to the Xbox store, there are actually two versions of the quarry. You have uh, the $80 version, which is labeled for Xbox One. Then you have $90 version, which is labeled for the Series X and S. And so they're doing it on both platforms, uh, both PlayStation and Xbox, which is, you know, previous to this, it was kind of uh, you were looking at PlayStation titles having that PlayStation tax, the first party games being $90 Mm -hmm. Canadian. Um, But you're starting to see other publishers do. I think EA was experimenting or maybe it was. There was another publisher early on. It might have been EA with their sports titles were were doing $90. I could be wrong, but really like Sony has sort of kept with it for their first party titles. Um, It is interesting to see 2K do this with this game because again, it's like there's a there's obviously it's all mo capped. Uh, There are some some top name actors in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's it's I'm sure the. It, it can be tough to justify that. I know it's a $10 increase, but it can, it can be tough to justify for a lot of games. Um, it's hard to yeah, say. Well, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of content there. Like I say, it is like sitting and watching a movie. There is a lot of story. There is a lot of, like you say, big name actors in big parts. Like this is, this is basically like a season of a TV show. If you want to think about it that way. So, I mean, like, and it's it's basically an interactive TV show. And, and like I say, I haven't made it to the point where I am, like, actively doing a lot of, like, action sequences. I did just learn how to fire a gun, which kind of worries me because I don't like these games when they include any sort of combat. I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. And it's not what you're made for. And I find that it's just anytime they try to incorporate um, like combat into a game like this, it's like, "Mm, but you're really clunky. Like this isn't, you know, other shooting get like shooting games exist because just making a gun shoot is enough to base a game around. (laughs) Like that's a lot of tech to make it feel good and work good that you don't really need anything else. Like it's just a shooter. (laughs) So it's like when you try to make part of your game a shooter, probably not going to be the best use of your time or mine so i'm a little bit apprehensive about what kind of like combat i'm going to get into later on but again uh, i'll have more i'll have more on that next week i'll let you guys know what i think so far i do find the story interesting enough that i'm definitely going to stick with it um but yeah it, it is not without its it's it's actual bugs <laughs> so uh but yeah i'll let you guys know more next week I wanted to say a quick thank you to Will P and Paul M for being our July patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you would like your name here, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. Uh, We have some kind of light news this week. A lot of like little tiny stories. So um, speaking of little tiny things, Sega Genesis Mini 2 is uh, coming on October 27th, and we were talking a little bit pre-show, so I know this isn't necessarily my jam. I was very much a Nintendo-only girl for a very long time, so I don't have the nostalgia that goes along with these uh, Sega systems, but that is not the case for you, Ryan. You've got, you're have got you a little bit interested, at least. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. I was also strictly a Nintendo uh, gamer right up until, I'd say, the, well, the PlayStation 3 was the first... No, I guess Xbox 360 would have been the first non uh, Nintendo 
console that I've owned. Um, and, and from there on, it's, it's sort of just been everything really. Uh, but yeah, like these, th- so these mini consoles, it's kind of interesting because a lot of the other, well, Nintendo being the other one that was making the NES mini and the super NES mini, they've, they've kind of stopped, you know, not that folks wanted them to, because they were really well received. No, everyone wanted the 64. Everyone yes. wanted that in a mini. <laughs> Honestly, I would have loved a Game Boy one. That would have been awesome. Uh, like <laughs> A Game Boy mini? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it, at that stage, it probably it just would have been a Game Boy. already mini? <laughs> <laughs> like, is it, yeah, I want a Game Boy. You mean the Game Boy? It's like, yeah, it probably just would have been a Game Boy, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> now that I think about it out loud. Uh, but yeah, like, um, so to me, this generation of Sega, it was like, my cousin had a Sega and that's where I played the Genesis. That's where yeah. I saw like all the different add-ons. Like, I guess this Genesis mini two, um, it's more of a, uh, it's, it's even minier, I guess it's a more compact, <laughs> um, design. If you, I don't recommend people do this, but if you watch the trailer that they have on this very bad website, which I guess is supposed to see, this is the thing. Nintendo, uh, like I know Sega had the you know we do what Nintendo don't. It's like yeah because Nintendo don't make really bad websites for their 2022 product <laughs> uh, as a joke. Like this is supposed to be sort of you know calling back to the old days of the web with really um, bad layout. Like, it's really obnoxious. Bad. <laughs> it's almost like I don't want to buy this on the principle that your website is 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 really bad. <laughs> Um, and then, and then even looking at the UI, uh, that they've got here, uh, for the system, it just does not look good. Um, but here's the thing, like they, they say that this is going to have 50 additional titles and like, this is the problem. Nintendo with their minis always moved on to the next generation. They, they said, here are the, here is the collection of 20 or so titles for this platform. If you want more of those, we've got the Nintendo switch online where we're constantly adding to that catalog. Um, and, and you're never going to have all of them because of licensing or, you know, agreements with publishers that, you know, may not be interested in reviving those titles and so on and so forth. But a sequel to one of these minis where they are just adding more Sega Genesis titles, like to me, I didn't buy the original mini. I look at this and see the absence of Sonic 1, 2 and 3, but it, like that's a big miss for me. So do mm-hmm. I have to go back and buy the mini one to have those those three games that were good, I guess, and because uh, again, I'm not I'm not a Sonic or a Sega uh, player, so like I look at these, I know there are some great ones here. Like the big thing here, the big marketing push is that they've added so- uh, Sega CD games. So you've got Sonic CD, you've got uh, Shining Force CD. I-, I think they just released new ones and just added CD to the end of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, before 64 made it, it was cool. They, they did CD. Um, so yeah, like it, it, there's 50 new titles, but they are not featured from the first one. So if you're looking for, I almost would have rather seen them say like, okay, here's, here's the mini two, but don't worry. Sonic one, two and three are still on there and knuckles, I guess we'll throw in knuckles as well. Like, well, I think, but Nintendo didn't do that, right? Like, if it was, a, like, the original Nintendo Mini and then the Super Nintendo Mini, they just had their own titles on it. Like, you didn't have stuff from the Nintendo brought over to the Super Nintendo Mini, no. right? But yeah, this is so. still the Genesis. Like, this is the same platform. It was, so the CD was an add-on, right? Like, you just slammed the Genesis into this, like, weird 
like expansion port that had a CD, like a, a top loading CD drive. It's kind of like an upgrade kind of or was in the past, like as opposed to a whole new generation of a system is what you're getting at. Yeah. And I think that's where and I and I, I could be wrong again, like my knowledge of the Sega early days back in the day <laughs> is is not as it's not as solid as you know with nintendo stuff but yeah like the idea was that each sega console that came out had some sort of additional thing to upgrade it so rather than doing like a hardware upgrade they said okay well there's an expansion slot on the bottom of each of these so you can like add it on to you can add on to it with this um this this cd attachment and that's where it allowed them to play games that were of the Sega CD variation. And and I guess the Master System also had like a similar setup with with an expansion pack and uh, or something like that. But like, yeah, the, the idea here is that this is still the Sega Genesis, but the hardware, whether it's been upgraded, like the video is, I don't know if it's misleading or not, but it's it's tailored to be like, oh, this is a, a 90s uh, marketing commercial Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea is that the hardware within this Genesis Mini 2 is able to play uh, Sega CD games. So, again, like I I feel like, you know, Sega's had a weird relationship with their mini hardware and they've actually like um, they've actually allowed other, you know, hardware developers to make some of these mini consoles. There's a couple uh, out there. I know my brother bought one. It was it was it allowed you to actually put carts into it as well. The Genesis cards. But it was not made by Sega. It was made by another company. And it was it, the reviews weren't as great. But the the official Sega Genesis Mini that released, uh, I think, either last year or a couple of years ago was well received. So, again, like if you're a fan of Sega titles and you are were looking for some of these uh, Sega CD games like this is going to be a good buy for you. And, and from what I've heard, Sonic CD is one of the. One of the better uh, Sonic games that had come out. I have even heard people say like it's their favorite in terms of the uh, mm. 2D platforming ones. So, you know, there there's likely to be some there's also Vector Man, too. So there you go. Yeah, uh, we had some more news out of Blizzard. Uh, Heroes of the Storm has now officially entered maintenance mode. Bum, 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 rip. Yeah, so but you can still buy Heroes. Yeah, you can still buy heroes like it's basically um, heroes is now captured in a moment in time. So they're they're still intending to fix bugs and do balance as needed, which probably means not. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they've kind of committed to to like not shut not turning off the lights, not shutting down the servers, anything like that. Um, but no new like um, cosmetics events, like all no new heroes. Like it's it's done. Um, heroes now is what it is, and you can play it or not. And uh, that's it's it's really too bad because. Uh, and I mean, obviously, my co-host over on Angry Chicken, Garrett, has uh, into the Nexus, which was his Heroes of the Storm show. That's been going on for I mean almost as long as we've been doing TAC. Honestly, it feels like ITN has been around for you know like at least probably six years um so i mean like he's obviously very attached to this game and and we were kind of talking about it and i was like dude honestly like i haven't played it in a while but it's my favorite moba like there are some just parts of the moba genre that i really don't like in particular like the individual xp and last hitting things 
I just, I just hate those mechanics. And heroes always felt better because you had team XP and last hits didn't matter. And, you know, like it felt like a much more like positive experience to go into. And yes, you could fall behind. And if you fall behind, your whole entire team falls behind. And it's very, very difficult to to kind of crawl your way back out of that situation. But it always felt like a team versus a team instead of like five individuals versus five individuals. You know what I mean? Like it had a much more beginner friendly feel to it, but it still was complicated. It still had strategy. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I liked the the philosophy behind Heroes of the Storm. So it's it's really too bad to see it uh, kind of fall off. And I think that the the blame lies with Blizzard as much as as anything else. I think they kind of like they were late to the MOBA game, but then they also threw a lot behind heroes and I think had expectations of heroes to kind of like be the next league or whatever. And then when it wasn't, they were like, oh, well, this didn't pay off. It's like, no, but wait, you built a really cool, really good thing. You just went way too far down the esports route right out the gate. Like if you just focused on making a cool game, more people probably would have played it. But like the marketing choices that they made and stuff, I was just like, man, you are going, you are throwing yourself way too far into this like whole like competitive realm. And like, you want to be the next Dota, you want to be the next league. And I'm like, "Mm, that was, that was a mistake because there's a fun game in there. So this news made me sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the only MOBA that I uh, played and enjoyed and and actually Mm -hmm. put money into. And and didn't you play the, the mobile version of league of legends i did yeah and i did i did play that one a bit i mean but heroes of the storm is is a game that um i really stuck with like played a lot Mm. of i i really look back fondly at our uh extra life events where we would play heroes of the storm and and obviously we we still have that opportunity yeah again the servers aren't going down or anything they're just basically they're back they're doing the same thing to heroes that they've done to starcraft 2 they did that to starcraft years ago so I mean, obviously, StarCraft 2 is still around. People still play it. There's still competitions and all the rest of it. But um, the competitions around Heroes of the Storm after Blizzard canceled the official Heroes of the Storm League um, that I'm totally... HGC. HGC. Yep. Thank you. Um, when Blizzard canceled HGC, there was a lot of um, like basically community driven like tournaments and stuff. But like there wasn't the the money behind it or the organization behind it necessarily to kind of propel it to the to those levels so like starcraft had community tournaments absolutely and it was kind of like a grassroots thing that made starcraft into an esport and heroes kind of had the opposite effect like blizzard made it into an esport and then the community tried to like take it over and it's just not the same and it, it wasn't really sustainable so the um uh, Heroes Hearth League has been going on for a while, but I'm pretty sure that this is their last season. And they, uh, a couple weeks ago, they said that they're they were planning on doing an in person um, event and everything else, and that's now been canceled. And the writing is on the wall with Heroes. Unfortunately, it doesn't really seem like the competitive esports scene is going to continue much on past uh, past this main- maintenance mode announcement. Unlike StarCraft, which is too bad. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you you described it perfectly in that like Blizzard was always behind when it came to Heroes of the Storm. I mean, they they converted their uh, purchasing system over to loot boxes um, 
pretty late in the game, like right as loot boxes were. were... Yeah, as everyone else started to move away from them and like talk about how bad they were, then Heroes of the Storm was like, and now with loot boxes, and we're like, Heroes, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I I just it's it was always so odd because I think Blizzard built a really solid game, and I think Blizzard just struggles with um some of their free to play approaches to their titles. Like you've got, we've seen it time and time again. And I mean, mm-hmm. they they have some successes of course with Hearthstone. Well, even that, I mean, they, even within Hearthstone, um, like they've, they've had some monetization struggles. Like they came out with battlegrounds, super fun to play. They had no idea how to make money at it because they had no idea how popular it was going to be. It was somebody's like throwaway for fun tavern brawl, but then it was played internally and people were like, wow, this is really fun. This could be a mode like I would just play this. They put it in the game and then they were like, shit, like more than half our player base is now playing this and we have no monetization model for it at all. Then they came out with Mercenaries, which was monetization first, and is a really shitty game mode. And now they're like, wait, nobody's playing this. I don't understand. Why is nobody giving us money for Mercenaries? It's like, facepalm. Come on, Blizzard. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they're, they're all over the place um, in terms of their decision making. So, yeah, it's really too bad. It's too bad that Heroes was kind of the casualty of this. But like I said, servers are still up. It's basically just like the state the game is in now is the state the game is going to remain in and there's no active development happening anymore. So if you like Heroes, good news, you can still play it. We'll probably still play it, like you say, for extra life events and stuff because it is a really fun game. But yeah, they are uh, no longer doing any updates to that. So sad face. Um, And something that is not free to play is super, super ultra mega not free to play (laughs) is uh, Nintendo and Lego have unveiled their latest set. It is a giant boss Bowser and it's $270, you guys. (laughs) And I mean, it's it's a fairly big Bowser figure given that it is a Lego set. So like it goes along with the other Mario and Nintendo themed Lego sets that we've seen, like with the pipes and the blocks and the animated Mario and everything else. And Ryan, you you own most, if not all of those Nintendo Lego sets, right? Are are you going to buy a Bowser boss? Ah, no. Yeah, no, probably not. (laughs) Right? Um, It's so much. And watching the video and actually seeing it move and interact with the Mario and stuff, like, it's super cool. But, oh, my God, that price tag. Yeah, yeah. $300. Too many. Too many dollars. It's a, And here's the thing. Um, Lego is expensive. Yeah, just period. Yeah. Exactly. The Super Mario Lego, I think, was really well priced if you were uh, good at not showing... You know, not looking at the more expensive products, because, again, like I think Nintendo and Lego really worked on their Super Mario line to be like, okay, if you just wanted to buy stuff that was under, you know, buy the starter pack and then get the expansions $60 and under, you would be good. But if you wanted to buy everything, I I have not purchased anything above like the $60 level because the sets do get much more advanced and uh, they are much more expensive. This is sort of like in the Super Mario line but can be, you know, it's a Lego toy, but also is just something that you could have uh, on a shelf. Like it's a really cool looking Lego Bowser, but has a lot of functionality to as well, including, as you said, can interact with the the Super Mario Lego uh, character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they showed like in the video him making like you can like make Mario like 
jump on different parts of Bowser and then like Bowser will react and Mario will react and there's sounds and all kinds of stuff. Like it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, like it's still a $300 Lego set for one figure. Like it's just, it's, it's so there's a platform with two pillars and the pillars are designed to be knocked over by Bowser. And then there's the Bowser figurine. Like it's a very simplistic. It's basically just the Bowser. Um, and like they, they basically said in the reveal video that, uh, the whole idea was, first of all, he's a boss, he's Bowser, he should be big. And the bigger they make him, the more like details and curves and stuff that they can incorporate. So it is a really cool, very interesting Lego set because like there's a lot of like curves on the shell and like curves on his horns and stuff. And there's a lot of detail in his like fingers and toes and like claws and stuff and and bracelets. Like there's a lot of detail in this statue. And the fact that it is a like fully movable like he has like controls on the side that let you kind of puppeteer him like it, it's a very intricate well-built lego set like i get that but i don't know man like you have to be a really big nintendo fan specifically mario fan and have a lot of disposable income to justify this she says as she talks about spending 300 dollars on a cloth map <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think this partnership with Lego has been really interesting to watch because they've they've kind of they've they haven't done the sets. And I know we've talked about this before. They haven't done the sets that we would love to see, like the diorama type. Set. I mean, I guess they've done one. I want like Peach's Castle. Maybe that's just the the princess that likes dollhouses in me. <laughs> but <laughs> like I, I want something like that, like something some big sweeping piece that I can build that then like all my little characters can live in. <laughs> yeah. Like they haven't done sort of the mini figure style. You yeah. Know, uh, Mario sets that, that I remember from, you know, the setups of, of my childhood, but you know, they are doing uh, like a, a peach expansion. So peach is going to be a playable character. I think in August that you can buy. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be like a, like a, yeah. So there is. So, I mean, it's not the exact same, but I'll I'll put it I'll put this in Discord so you can quickly see it. But it is Peach's Castle that they're that they're building. And this is a $130 set that's gonna be coming August 1st. But it's it's still not quite what you're looking for. No, it's a very, very simplified version that's like meant to go along with all the other Mario functionality, right? So mm -hmm. it's meant to be more along the lines of like the Super Mario sets where you're like playing through a Mario level, I guess, yes. <laughs> as opposed to like what I'm picturing something in my head when I picture like Peach's Castle, I'm picturing something, a set that would be like five times that big and have no multimedia functionality whatsoever. Like screw you animated Mario. I just want like a giant replica of Peach's Castle with, like you say, the little minifigs. Like that's all I want. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I I, I love that Nintendo and Lego have been able to explore some of their their more quirky ideas and more interactions that they can do with with Lego Mario. But I, I agree with you. I would love to see sort of a more traditional approach. Give me the classic sets of like, let me buy Peach's Castle and then that come with, you know, a, a Princess Peach, a Mario and a Luigi mini set or, you know, like a standard like lego dude but mario 
Um, yeah, I, yes, I would love exactly. that. <laughs> yeah. Then do Zelda and and maybe Metroid and, and a couple others. And that'd be really cool, too. Yeah. There's a Luigi's Mansion set, too. Yeah, I am behind. So no one tell my my son that the, yeah, we haven't bought any of the Luigi's Mansion stuff. And I I, I do need to look into the peaches, uh, the, the peach expansion, because, you know, uh, all the characters that they've added, like all the interactive characters, like those starter kits are such a great value because you do get the new character and you do get like a really solid addition to your collection. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have to look into that. August 1st is yeah, two weeks away. That's crazy. So yeah, I know. Eh? <laughs> uh, and then finally, Ubisoft has re-revealed uh, Skull and Bones, which is their kind of a little bit more realistic take on, uh, on a pirate game. And um, I've seen like when they first revealed it, um, I, I think it was a couple of years ago now. Um, it did look very much like Sea of Thieves. I think it looks a little bit different than Sea of Thieves now. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing that stood out to me in the reveal video is how they talked about being able to upgrade to more powerful insert thing here ships weapons whatever crew pirates blah 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 whatever the point is the reason i really like sea of thieves is that there isn't anything i ever have to catch up on there's tons and tons and tons and tons of content there's lots of stories to play now there's lots of things to unlock but absolutely everything is cosmetic i can jump in and play with a friend who plays every freaking day and has for the last four years or i can jump in with a brand new player and me as a returning player and we can play the exact same content and we don't have to worry about like power level um and that's why i like sea of thieves so much so i mean like there's definitely something here with skull and bones like for a very specific player if you're looking for a game as a service that is a pirate game that you can sit and grind in and level up and and get better and all that kind of stuff like if you're looking for like a pirate mmo this is your thing <laughs> like it looks really cool the ship combat looks really interesting you can choose multiple kinds of ships that have like different advantages and disadvantages. Um, like it, it looks like a good, fun pirate game, but I do not think it's for me because I just don't have the time to sink into a game like this. But there's lots of uh, they, there seems to be a lot of um, PVE to it. Um, there is PVP as well, but it seems to be, at least from the trailer, mostly based on uh, PVE type adventures and, and naval battles. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, to me, uh, you nailed it. I think the the beauty of Sea of Thieves, as you said, is to be able to jump in and, you know, I can play once or twice a year with someone who plays once a month and not feel like I got to play catch up outside of maybe relearning how to control the boat. But but normally there's someone on the boat that's just telling me what to do, which is perfect. <laughs> right, that's what but I like, You don't have to worry about coming in being a level 10 character and me being a level 50 character and us not being able to, like, fight the same enemies. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think with Skull and Bones, Ubisoft is going for we want this to be the pirate game you play exclusively as opposed to like, like it doesn't feel like a fun s sort of, uh, you know, community style game where you can jump in and out and, and return to it uh, whenever you want. Uh, it feels more like, a, you know, we want you to live within this this pirate game and, you know, build your your pirate ship and and progression and yeah and, there was a yeah. lot of talk of progression um yeah. 
it's uh it's you know i think the systems that they have in play like they're really going the crafting route too they showed a lot of like Mm -hmm. i did not know boats in that age were able to just like take down trees just by being close to them but that that's in there (laughs) there's like a mine i think someone was joking like uh ubisoft is building a game where like a ship can like uh oh the ship can uh, take down trees and mine and it's just obviously it's not represented as someone physically cutting down or mining something it's just the boat is parked and there's a progression bar um yeah so it's i mean there's some weirdness to it where like there's a lot of uh work that's gone into i love the idea that um you can have different types of boats you know tailored to your gameplay style and how you want to approach you know uh how you progress in the game like if you want to be someone who hauls cargo you can have a more Mm -hmm. cargo based ship or if you are more into pvp and you want to be you know big and powerful yeah exactly (laughs) yeah like there's a lot of options there but for me i look at this and like i uh you you nailed it like pirate mmo it feels like this is a game that i would have to commit to to really enjoy and progress through sort of sort of i guess similar to more like a destiny approach like it feels like there's going to be seasons of content and and story that you can explore which again, like Sea of Thieves has too. Like every game as a service now is going towards seasonal battle pass, you know, whatever. But I think um, the difference being is stuff in games that I enjoy is cosmetic only. Um, when you start putting power and stuff into progression systems and, you know, stores and season passes and all that kind of stuff, I lose interest pretty quickly. Um, and that's kind of the vibe Skull and Bones was giving me. And it also like, like we've already mentioned, it seems like there's uh, going to be quite a big time commitment here to to grind everything up. And again, anytime that you're in any sort of situation on a PvP server with, you know, the ability to grind to get more powerful, then, you know, it, I feel like people are going to get griefed a lot. And that makes me very not excited <laughs> for this. Um, unless you get to choose your servers, because I, I didn't really like it wasn't kind of clear from the announcement trailer if you get to choose um, whether or not to engage on a pvp server like yeah if you can choose to be on a pve only server okay fine then you can kind of go at your own pace and it doesn't really matter but um yeah if if everything is pvp like in sea of thieves then uh hard pass thanks because <laughs> this will never be my only game like it never will be so <laughs> no no neither for me and I, I don't think there's a lot of details on I think there's going to be a beta this summer, but I don't think there's a lot of details on like how much this is going to cost or when it's going to be mm-hmm. coming out. Um, uh, I think it said November. Oh, is there a date? Okay, I must have missed that. Uh, but yeah, well, November is good. I like. I think you can actually pre-order now, so it must be a uh, a paid game. It's not like a free, you know, uh, free to play experience. Um, although I could, I've been wrong <laughs> before on the game, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I I think pre-orders are open now. Um, and uh yeah like uh yeah pre-order available so you you can you'll be buying this game it's not like a free-to-play style uh, experience but yeah you're absolutely right like it's not something that i'm gonna you know jump into it did look interesting but at the same point it i think you're right it's like it's not built to be the game that that i would play long term like i i really do appreciate the approach that sea of these has where i can jump in and and have fun and be at a level playing field with everybody else in the game. I I think that is such a great setup, but it feels like Skull and Bones is taking 
that gameplay from Black Flag that we all loved and, you know, expanding it into a full game and, and it'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can achieve that. So, yeah. And it looks like uh, so you can get the standard edition or the premium edition um, and then you can or you can subscribe to Ubisoft Plus. So there's another one. Uh, and then you can get uh, the premium edition of Skull and Bones included with that, as well as over 100 games on PlayStation from Ubisoft. So if you want another subscription, you can try Skull and Bones for only $20 a month on Ubisoft Plus. But uh, yeah, it does come out November 8th on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Stadia, Epic Games and Ubisoft Connect. So if you're interested that's where you can find it. Um, and let us know uh, what you guys think about the Skull and Bones versus Sea of Thieves comparisons, or if you're excited about a more realistic pirate take, if you really liked Black Flag and want to see that in a in a more kind of expanded own game naval combat arena, um, let us know what you think. Uh, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord to share your thoughts. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>